Uh, from top, top, top. Yeah, right from the intro. All right, here we go. Nothing happened. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening. This is uh, actually this is episode twenty four of the Unsportsmanlike Convo, and uh, we are coming to you September eleventh, the evening of September eleventh, mm-hmm. which, uh, as we all know, is a historical date now. Um, you know the uh, the whole nine eleven thing. The whole nine. It's like I'm downplaying it. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I mean, it could no, be I, worse. I, I, I could. I heard. I, heard I could have said this, Pierre. Okay. I think what I want to do is I want to talk just for a second. I wrote this out, and it's very close to my heart because I was down there, and I watch our police and our firemen down on 7-Eleven, down at the World Trade Center, right after. 7-Eleven. Jesus Christ. 7-Eleven. <laughs> okay? So oh, I apologize man. for the tone that mine came out, but I'm not oh, the president of the country calling it uh, the local quickie store where all the cops are <laughs> hanging out. Oh my God, that is so horrible! Uh, you know that he's been. You know, at this point now, I think he said so many stupid things that uh, it, even when he does something with uh, the good intention, he's going to get ripped on social media. Like he posted on Twitter today a picture of him and Melania um, in front of Seven uh, Eleven. Yeah, some monument, I guess. Okay. And and he got ripped for for you know. I guess taking a picture of himself on 9-11 when he could have taken a picture of, I don't know, the names of all the people who lost their lives that day. I, I don't know. I, don't, I think at this point there's not much he can do to, to please people, so he should just not tweet anymore. I think he should just sort of lay low, bud, um, you know? <laughs> I think, it, I mean, to be honest, I think it's he's doing it on purpose at this point. I think it just keeps people talking about Trump, and if, if – idiots keep talking about Trump, then when they go to vote, they're going to see the name on the ballot and say, oh, and they're going to connect it with Trump, and he just does it. There's a, There's got to be something. The man is not that stupid. Mm-hmm. Can't be that stupid. But anyway, regardless. Well, we don't want to spend all day no. on 9-11, but I do want to ask you, where where were you that day? What like what? Uh, most people can remember the almost the exact moment oh, yeah. and re- relive the day. Where were, where were you? Like, um, Well, I... You know, I was, uh, I graduated Colgate. I was at the University of Ottawa. Um, I wasn't taking my school super seriously. I was just there for football. So I had slept in the morning, got up, you know, nine, 10 o'clock, whatever. And uh, I remember, um, well, actually, I had, uh, I think I had called Dan Dandran. So it was Dan Dandran's birthday. Happy birthday, Dan. Today's your, Happy your birthday, birthday as well. That's right. Yes. Big birthday. Uh, one we'll never forget in terms of dates. Uh, but I was reaching out to Dan for his birthday. And I think there was like a, a moment where I was like, are you watching this? Or did you see the news? Like there's that plane that went into the, um, to the trade center and we were both playing football on the same team. So um, anyway, that kind of sparked that, but I remember watching it. And then as the day goes on, I was having breakfast and like another one hit. And now it became from like a, a crazy news story to a, um, you know, there, there was a level of fear there as to what the, what the hell's going on here. Yeah. No kidding. And, um, 
you know, I, again, fresh out of Colgate, I remember I was trying to reach out to, uh, you know, Ben Rowden and all the guys that I knew from Colgate and, um, you know, just to, to, I guess, get their take and like, what, you know, are they hearing something different that I'm not hearing? Um, but I remember being such a, um, I don't know, a humbling thing. And then being at practice that afternoon and getting taped, you know, in the physio room, getting taped up before practice and like actually asking people like, why are we practicing? Should we be practicing right now? Like, I feel like there's something bigger happening right now. And I don't need to be out on the football field running through plays, yeah. you know? Um, anyway, that was, uh, that's where I was. Uh, what about you? Uh, that's it. it. It's, it's funny. Eh? A lot of people I think felt the same way you did in terms of like, you know, what's, in, what's really important in this life? You know, people complaining mm-hmm. about, I saw, I saw an interesting list this morning of, uh, eight or nine, uh, people who didn't show up to work that day and their, their reasoning, like one lady, her kid's alarm didn't go off. So he missed the bus and she had oh, to drive like him to people school. People who Otherwise, worked at there. the world trade centers. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, the one, one lady, it was, it was a crazy one. I can't remember. I can't remember. It, uh, her, she, there was no taxi available, so she had to call, she had to take the bus, which made her 20 minutes later. Uh, there was like stories like that, which was just like, can you like, wow, you, you were where you were supposed to be, I suppose. Uh, it's just wild. But where was I? I was, uh, oh, geez, I, I usually at that time I was a supply teacher and I usually got woken up by a phone call uh, on days they wanted me to come in and teach. And, you know, as a supply teacher, you really it's not good protocol to turn days down because they'll just they'll start they'll stop calling you and if you become unreliable so for whatever reason though i didn't feel like teaching to that day i you know i and i rarely turn days down but i just said yeah i'm not i'm just i think i made up an excuse to be perfectly honest and um yeah i got I went downstairs and made my morning coffee and uh, i was living with my mom at the time and and then i just turned the tv on and uh, I thought what it looked like. I think news reports were saying that a that a little uh, like a little Cessna or something like that had hit the World Trade Center. They weren't really sure because it wasn't great vantage points. Yeah. And as I'm watching the fire, you know, I'm, I think I was watching CBS or it might have been CNN. I don't remember, but I just remember whatever channel I was watching. The second plane hit as I was watching. Yeah. And the big explosion came, and you know, at the at the time they weren't sure if it was like the building exploding from the plane or. But, you know, after a different vantage point, they, they confirmed that it was another passenger plane, and then all hell broke loose. Every, it was 24-7 coverage. So that's what I did all day. I watched – I don't think I left the couch from 8.30 in the morning until the time I went to bed. And, uh, you know, we used to shit on George Bush a lot, um, mainly because he wasn't a great public speaker. But I've seen images of George Bush recently, and I saw him – and he actually started, I actually bawled my eyes out when he was uh, giving his dad's uh, eulogy. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. he handled that day really well. The, the ensuing months and the, you know, the retaliation, that, that's all. The, that actual day must have been very difficult as a president to handle. And I thought he did a great job. So you know, that's where I was. And uh, September 11th will forever live in my memory. And you, like, you, like you said, you, know, you kind of felt uh, under attack. You know, yeah. I, although you weren't, but you were, but there are your neighbors and four planes and all these stories are coming out and every plane got grounded. There was a, an airport in, I think it was Nova Scotia or Newfoundland that grounded 6,700 planes and it was only designed to ground like, I don't know, 
So, you know, Canada yeah, came to like the rescue 15. again and, and did our part and however we know how. And what a day. Anyways, uh, wow, we so didn't mean to get off to a, such a political, uh, emotional start, but I'm glad you brought that up, B. It is what it is. That's, um, that's what today is. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those, those days everybody honors moving forward and it, and it brings us back down to, to earth and to, to what we are and, and puts things into perspective and puts, you know, uh, those, what's important and, and how Canada reacted, you know, like you brought up the, the East coast airport and, you know, when you talk about George Bush and Mayor Giuliani and, you know, all that stuff that he did and, you know, it's just, it brings it brings you back to like a human level. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it takes you away from the social media crap and all that other stuff that means nothing. Ultimately, like it's we're it, you're we're humans and we're kind of coming together in a, in a time of need. Anyway, I will um, say this about about the, if there's a silver lining, it's made uh, uh, air travel beyond safe. Like it's you know if there have been any crashes since they've they've been probably related to airplane malfunction and not not um, terrorism so you know right. if there is Knock a silver lining it's that we're it's a lot safer to fly now than it than it was back then and it, you know it uh, really exposed our our uh, our weaknesses our vulnerabilities so <sighs> on yeah. uh, that as well i uh I believe you posted something of a, an old Steeler who had passed away. Um, this, yeah. Uh, sorry, I forget who it was. S- uh, Sam Davis. Ah, right, from the 70s. From the 70s. He, he, he was their starting guard for all their Super Bowls. He played beside John Kolb and, uh, and uh, the late uh, Mike Webster. John Kolb, by the way, if you ever, <laughs> K-O-L-B, if you ever want to Google him, he's probably close to 70. If he's not 70, he's probably close to 80. He... Um, he does workouts with his shirt off, um, and he's anyway. He was he played with Sam Davis, but that was a, that offensive line was very underrated. I think people forget that they did a hell of a job blocking for Franco Harris and uh, Rocky Blyer, and protecting uh, Terry Bradshaw. Anyway, he he nice. passed away today. Um, had dementia and didn't take his medication in the morning. Plus, he was legally blind, so he got. I guess somehow he got loose from his uh, his care facility um, and his family. Uh, called a missing persons report, and and unfortunately, uh, they they're not sure. They don't suspect foul play, but it could all be related to maybe he just you know who who knows. It's all speculation. But he passed okay. away today, and uh, yeah, man, it hits close to home for me. I'm a big Steeler fan, and largely in in part because of you know yeah, guys like that in the '70s, yeah, just classy organization and the Rooney family. And uh, anyway, I can go on and on about the Steelers. Well, uh, also, I'm going to shout out. Well, not even shout out. It's not a shout out. Uh, Neron Ball. Neron Ball. Neron Ball. He was a linebacker with the Florida Gators um, back right after their couple championships. He was only 27. He was a linebacker with the Oakland Raiders there for a little bit too, but he's always been battling like a um, – it's not a brain disease, I guess, but it was a condition that he had. Anyway, he ended up passing away by a brain aneurysm at 27. So that was a couple ah. days ago. Um, again, just another life that was taken a little bit too quickly, but our thoughts and prayers go out to those two families. Um, Absolutely. and obviously all the families for nine 11. Um, okay, let's, uh, we're going to take a real quick break and we come back. We're going to change the tune to some sports and some, uh, better news, I guess. <laughs> 
Cheers. All right. Okay. Want to start with tennis? Let's start with tennis. And that's not something we say very often. Ever, really. From Canada, Bianca Andrescu. And from the United States, Serena Williams. It's an extraordinary debut. So much. Can you believe it? Bianca Andrescu is a U.S. Open champion. Bianca Andrescu, 19 years old, from Canada, wins the U.S. Women's Open. I don't think I'm supposed to say that. Women's U.S. Open. U.S. Open for women. I don't know. (laughs) What is it? the above okay everybody got it perfect <laughs> she won at wow. 19 years old beating serena williams in two sets uh did you watch it you know what i did watch it and uh <clears throat> I, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna and i don't mean to i don't mean for this to come across it's a great achievement any way you slice it when you win a grand slam it means you've played like six rounds of tennis and then a quarter a semi and a final all within no two week span. You know how much tennis that is. Like, I, I, so what I'm about to say does not diminish at all the achievement. I'm not trying to. The, the, sounds like please. it's going to diminish it. I don't want to diminish it, <laughs> but it but sounds like it's gonna. Serena Williams in her prime. <laughs> her prime might have been. It could have been 15 years, like when she was 18 <clears throat> to 30 bit past her prime she's 38 years old she played a young lady who's extremely skilled and talented no no doubt a woman half her age and she played she's been playing with injury she's been playing with a bad back she made a lot a lot of uncharacteristic unforced errors miss hits uh she didn't run down balls that she used to be able to run down so i don't want to put any asterisks beside this all i'm suggesting is that Serena Williams is, without a doubt, the greatest tennis player, women's tennis player, oh, even or men's, if you look at the statistics, um, to ever live. But she's on the downside of her career. Father time is undefeated. And Andreski, a, a woman who would have chased down a few more balls and uh, made a lot, a lot of unfortunate. Brock, I don't know. If, did, you, did you have a chance to watch the match? It sure did. Um, yeah, watched it, taped it, uh, trying to make sure my daughter watched it. Um, and I got to say, like uh, the first set, I think I might have uh, changed the town a couple times just to kind of let it get into it. But the second set, for sure, I watched it. And I know that um, it was trending towards a Serena coming back and winning that second set and having all the momentum. And what I found was that, um, you know, I was pretty happy that Andreescu was able to stay focused on the task at hand because what I found was in the first set, Serena, now Andreescu has verbally said, you know, uh, that Serena is like her idol. Obviously, any women tennis player, Serena being probably the best uh, women's tennis player of all time, 
um, is going to be your idol. So and during that first set, I found Andreski was playing hard. She was winning points. Serena was hitting some unforced errors or not hitting those first serves like she normally would. But I also found her body language was very, um, I want to say Eeyore-ish. You know what I mean? Like she had that very like down and out kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, I just can't do anything. And what I kept thinking during the match was don't fall for because Serena can turn that sucker on whenever she wants to. So if Andrescu looks over and starts to see, you know, if you get that like, oh, it's, you know, if I'm playing you in football or something like that and I'm just beating you and you kind of get that like, you know, slump like, oh, what am I doing kind of thing? There's a good chance that I start to take it a little bit easy on you. Sure. You know what I mean? And I was sure. like, Andrescu, don't fall for it because as soon as she starts getting some momentum, she can turn that on and off whenever she wants to. But I'm like, don't fall for it. And she did a pretty good job not falling for it. Um, and not like you can see, she wasn't looking at Serena as much as she was just the court and where to go kind of thing. But that second set where Serena had won like 11 out of 12 points and like the fan base was 10 times louder than it was for the first set because Serena was coming back and everybody wanted to see that. And I thought Andrescu, um, kept her composure very well. She weathered the storm. I, like again, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from from that victory. But 38 years old is 38 years old in tennis, and Serena is a muscular lady, so she requires a lot more oxygen than most most uh, athletes. Just she's she's filled with muscle. Uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> you bring up a good point. I remember Marv Levy once said, uh, uh, "When it's when it's looking like it's too hard for them, it's just right for us." I get it what you're saying. Don't don't get fooled by the, you know, Serena could have turned it on, but I don't think she's got that gear anymore. She cruised to the finals for the most part, but that might be a, a, a that might be a sign of of the caliber of women's tennis right now. I think that the top tier players, the five or six top tier players, are really 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 good, and there's a pretty big drop off. And actually, you know what? It's the same with in the men's. I don't want to switch topics right away, but I do want to talk about the men's tennis too. It's the same with the men's. The top five, six guys are there every single time in terms of Grand Slam finals. It's it's Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, Warinka, and Medvedev, and they've been there. They're all they're there all the time. So there's a, a pretty steep drop off for the uh, six to sixty. And uh, you know, a guy I, I do like I do like Daniel Shapovalov. He's the Canadian, the lefty uh, Canadian player on the, on the men's side. He's got a really really bright future. Maybe brighter than Milo Shraunic. Um It seems like Mraunic is always hurt. But back to Andrescu, uh, uh, we're we're all proud of you. you. You represented Canada so beautifully, and uh, you brought home a grand women's tennis for Canada. So not First taking ever. anything away, yeah. you beat the best of the best, no matter what age she is, the best of the best. But what I am suggesting, Brock, and you've played tennis, right? Yeah. It's. it's it's so hard to some of these some of these matches go three four five six hours and it's it's so hard on the body for serene to be doing it for as long as she has is absolutely remarkable but you know i'm i'm glad andres you did it and congratulations to her and uh cheers to many more hopefully well that's it i mean at some point when serena started making her run she was beating 
you know, women who are probably out of their prime, who were good before, yeah. you know? So yeah, no doubt. Yeah. that's just, that's the, the passing of the torch a little bit. Hopefully yeah. Andrescu can take it and run with it. Um, obviously, yes, I've played tennis. I think I'm on record in one of these episodes saying that I would take a point from Serena. And I'm talking Serena, 38-year-old, <laughs> my back is sore, Serena, maybe two, two serving faults. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I said I would, so I'm sticking wow. to it. Amazing stuff. Uh, the men's, I don't know if you watched the men's game, but um, Nadal was up two sets and then Medvedev came back and won yeah. two sets. And then the, the final set was pretty good. It was uh, a little sloppy at the get-go. A lot of unforced errors on both sides. I think, you know, fatigue. Uh, both guys were coming in with basically, they, they only rest a day from the, from the semifinals. It's Which crazy, is pretty crazy, yeah. It's just nuts. And, you know, I mean, God, we t- football players take a week to recover. Not These guys aren't necessarily getting hit, but the, the stress on their joints from tennis is it's wild. And it's hardcore, you know, like it's this is no give. So, you know, for them to do what they do and for Nadal to keep doing it, you know, it's just it was so remarkable to see that match, too. And uh, I, I love tennis. I'm a huge tennis fan. I love playing it. And I, I love uh, Did I tell you the time I joined the I did. I joined the tournament in Ottawa, the Kunstad Open. I no, you did not. No. So in 2012, I had just coming off a shoulder, shoulder injury, shoulder surgery, actually. And I joined uh, the Kunstad Open and uh, the f- number five ranked amateur was in the tournament. He was like he was the number one seed in the tournament, but he's ranked fifth in Canada for an amateur. And I was uh, I made it as a wild card and uh, I ended up playing like he was like the 20th seed in the tournament. I don't think he's. Like he wasn't very good, but he was anyway, he beat me six, two, six, one, <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, it was, it, it's such an exciting thing. Tennis is like a, it's an individual sport. So, you know, it's you mano a mano or woman versus woman and whatever, or whatever it is. It's just, um, I guess, I guess it'd be a lot like golf. Eh? I guess you'd be a good comparison. Well, I was just going to say, that's why I love golf because it doesn't even golf. Your opponent doesn't even affect your game. There's no defense in golf all it is is added pressure and uh yeah that's why i love it it's a a mental thing more than anything and that's for me i'm always i'm a big guy you know fairly athletic so my size has always been uh, a huge advantage for me in any sport i played with golf it doesn't matter neutralized yeah you know my size means nothing it's about my mental fortitude and finesse for a lot of it. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, that's why I've been enjoying it lately. Actually, I just played in a tournament on the weekend, the uh, Smoke Shack tournament. So if those who in Ottawa have not been to the Smoke Shack yet downtown on Clarence Street, check it out. Phenomenal meat products, if you will. There's an Endwich burger that's like, uh, anyway, it's phenomenal <laughs> barbecue. <laughs> I'm drooling as I say it, but Tyler Aldercott is an old Gigi player who's opened this and uh, he put on this tournament. Anyway, so we went out and it was a small group of guys, but instead of being like a best ball thing, they gave everybody their handicaps. So I don't know if you're aware of golf and how that works. It's basically like if par is 72, you know, and you sh- normally shoot 92, then your handicap's like a 20. There's a 20 extra shots there to kind of play it off so that if right. my handicap's 20 and your handicap is 40, you know, if our scores would be fairly even. Like, the, it, it kind of puts us on the same level in terms of scoring if we put yeah. our handicaps involved. Anyway, so I had my handicap, but I ended up shooting an 88 with a net 66, which actually was probably the best game I had played in a long time. And 
Uh, we tied for first. My buddy Dave Timmons and I tied for first. I think the other team cheated. They actually one guy threw the ball out of the out of the woods. And I'm like, does that count as a shot? <laughs> yeah, I think that I don't know a lot about golf, but I don't think you're allowed to do that. <laughs> it's it's kind of frowned upon usually. Um, anyway, whatever. It was a great day, but uh, yeah, the golf and tennis, those type of sports are uh, you know being an individual sport. It's 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 more mental than anything else. Uh, no doubt. And tennis, I mean, tennis adds that physical element too, right? Like it's, it, I, anyway, I, and the, the pace at which these people hit the ball now, I mean, we grew up with Boris Becker being like, oh my God, he's got a cannon for a serve. But like, you know, a lot of the guys I grew up watching were still using wood rackets and then they sort of kind of moved to the graphite. And then as Pete Sampras rolled around, Andre Agassi, they moved to the bigger, bigger head and yeah. uh, the rest is history, man. And then the pace of play, I mean, it's incredible. Hey, the, there's the a actors. shot clock, a serve clock now. Did you know that? Yeah, uh, they only have 20 seconds to serve. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think anyone's ever ever complained or really been bothered by it. I I just it keeps. Uh, Jimmy Connors was the worst, right? Jimmy Connors would play. Jimmy Connors is the jerk, oh, by the way. <laughs> but uh, Jimmy Connors was the worst. He used to uh, really milk every point. Like he would, the point would finish. He'd go to the corner, get a towel. He'd wipe down. Left arm, right arm, uh, racket head. Then he would stop, turn his back to his opponent. And uh, you don't see it much anymore, but fi- he'd fix his strings. You, know, you can straighten yeah, your yeah. strings on your racket. You really don't see guys doing that anymore because the rackets are so good. But, like, And then he'd go and play. And it was probably a minute in between each point. Imagine how long that would take a match to play. You know what's longer? Um, the description of what uh, Jimmy Connors <laughs> does in between serves. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. But I saw Nadal actually got a point or something taken off or whatever. He had some like it actually wasn't forced, and I was like, "Wow, all right." I'm yeah. like, I oh, thought yeah, yeah. the I was listening, I was watching the clock or kind of seeing the clock in the back, and like the the umpire is is telling the crowd to like be quiet, please. And then he goes to serve, and he gets whistled or whatever for a, a violation. I was like, "Well, you were telling the crowd to shut up." So you know, it just keeps going at that point. Anyway. That was something like new for me. I had seen that. I'd, honestly, I'd like to see a pitch clock. I twenty or twenty-five seconds. I know it's going to take away maybe the, a little bit of the integrity of the game, but twenty to twenty-five seconds. If and uh, you can give the catcher and or the pitching coach six or eight opportunities again to call, and then when they do call time, the clock stops. And then when, as when the when whatever when the umpire flags it back in, the clock resumes. But and that would I think that would speed up the game. So how would that work if Strowman's doing his pause in the middle? He starts to wind up, so he's within clock, but then he pauses for like three, four seconds. Ball? Ball. Hey, anything to speed up the game for, uh, you know, people is is good. But I also, I just don't want, I don't want sports. Like baseball is a traditional sport. I feel like Matt Podfang would not be on board with this because Matt Podfang I see as being like that, the godfather of sports. Like he's very... Uh, traditional, you know what I mean? And like uh, for baseball to be like, oh, we're trying to speed it up because the new age kids can't focus on a game for longer than two hours. Um, you know, but anyway. I, I think players have adapted to um, to that. I think they have, I think in the minors, they have a pitch clock and you can see some of the kids come up. They, they don't mess around now. Like it's, it's, they are pitching fast without even knowing it. So I don't even think it's required anymore because they're learning the skill in the minors to like, hey, let's get this ball rolling. But 
you know, uh, yeah, and I, Matt Puffy and I are very, very, uh, a lot alike in many ways when it comes to, to sports tradition. Um, I just do think that sometimes the pitchers take full advantage of the fact that they can sort of saunter back and, and regain their composure. And Like, I get it, but like, you know. I think that the, gives the, the batter an advantage too. Like, if you're taking your time, it gives the batter time to compose themselves. I think it probably depends on yeah, how the pitcher's pitching. If he's throwing, like, heater strikes, like – I feel like I would want to roll that as quick as possible. And just like, so the batter before he even knows what happened is three strikes. Well, I think analytics in baseball have made it so that every second matters, you know, like they know it's wild. The batter can come up and, Oh, it's uh, I don't know. It's uh, Hanley Ramirez up to bat and he's a right-handed batter. And, you know, on a one, two count, he tends to swing to high pitches on a three, two count. He, he doesn't swing. Like, it's just crazy. The analytics behind it yeah. is nuts what they have on these guys. And uh, I think that's why I love baseball so much because I love analytics. So anyway, we're remember off there's topic a, a way bit, off topic. But, uh, but remember when actually, they were you know going to take Velcro off of the batter's batting gloves? I do. That was that, that was supposed to be the reason why it was taking so long, because all the batters would go out and they would undo the Velcro and do them back up a little tighter. And they the thought Molitor. they thought, yeah, they thought that was taking so much time that we're going to take the Velcro off your gloves. Yeah, Luckily, it never right. happened. But anyway, you know, Brock, we haven't talked a lot of baseball. And uh, on a, before we started our podcast tonight, it wasn't high on our agenda. But I do want to say I know the Jays are on record to lose uh, 100 games and have the worst season of their history since the 70s or something like that. But um, is it really? I don't I, I don't care. The kids are fun. The oh, kids yeah. Are fun to watch, man. I'm not sitting here thinking they're losing 100 games. I never in a million yeah. years would have guessed that. Because yeah, when I watch them, they beat the Red Sox last night. Like, they're yeah. competitive in all the games. I, I'm a, I agree with you, man. They're fun to watch. You know, they, just, they just went on a seven-game lose, losing streak. They, lost, they got swept in Tampa. So um, they are, I mean, they're under the radar for the wrong reasons kind of thing. But Bichette and Biggio, for me, are the infield for the next 10, 15 years. And, I mean, Guerrero, too. Don't get me wrong, Guerrero, too. But I, I love what Bichette and Biggio bring in terms of that, like, you know, get down and dirty and, and do anything to get a hit kind of thing. Guerrero's just going to hit the ball everywhere. Guerrero's, he's going to DH at some point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he can transition yeah. to that. Those other two guys are actually bona fide infielders that are going to be all-stars for a few years. No doubt. And they're, you know, they're giving Rowdy a chance to play a lot more now. Smokey hasn't really played much in the last couple of days. So they want to see what they got in Rowdy. They have, uh, they just, you know how you can expand the rosters this time of year. They just brought up uh, Anthony Alford, who's, I mean, this is, this is his last kick of the can, but like, you know, he's been their pr- a top prospect for them the last three years, injuries, poor play. He's going to get a chance to play. They got Jonathan Davis up, Richard Urania. I like so Jonathan Davis actually some, for what uh, I've seen. Pardon me. I like Jonathan Davis for what I've seen so far. You know what? He dropped the sacrifice Monday of the night. He's got great speed. Uh, you know, I, he could be a, a good utility outfielder off the bench, a guy that can play all three positions in the outfield. I don't know. You know, I, I do think that they need to spend uh, their time and assets and money and draft picks that they've acquired and go out and get a bona fide starting pitcher uh, to complement the, the young staff that they have now. Uh, guys like Garrett Cole are out in the market. So I don't know. I don't know if they're going to spend. They may just stay the course and. I think not this offseason, but the following ones, big names come on the market. I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. It's really hard to tell what Atkins and Shapiro want to do from a pitching perspective. But I like I like the Stroman trade. Look, Biagini got friggin' lit up yesterday. Uh, losing him was not uh, wasn't was nothing to me. I guess what Sanchez is on the IL on the IR. So, like, 
I did not sweat losing those two guys. I thought bringing in Derek Fisher, the left-handed outfielder, you know, low risk. At best case, you got yourself a, a fourth outfielder. Oh, sorry. Best case, you got yourself a starting outfielder. Worst case, you got yourself a fourth outfielder who with with pop. So, I, I don't know. I and I don't think Stroman's done that well in New York. Have you seen his some of his numbers in New York? No, and I've been meaning because I want to see him hit. Like I, I wanted to watch him hit, but I don't get a lot of the Mets games, and I'm not looking for them either. But it's been nothing special. Like I got to tell you. So, and this Anthony K kid came out his first game of the year. He, he took a loss, but he he uh, struck out eight, the most uh, ever for a a Blue Jays starting pitcher making his first start. So, what, you know, hey, I don't know. Like maybe maybe we don't know everything we think we know. Uh, we definitely don't. and that's a segue into our uh nfl stuff because after our predictions and breakdown there were some big surprises this week on the nfl side of things Uh, i want to take a quick break and we'll go over the nfl stuff and then uh yeah we'll call it a day we'll quickly uh quickly mention a b too Uh, i I wanted to say it but i didn't want to say it We'll be uh, right back. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Antonio Brown. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a shit show. Oh, man. Uh, look, uh, you know, we, we can go back and look at his, uh, I, I use the word criminal, you know, with an asterisk, he, he hasn't been um, charged hasn't been charging in his lifetime, Correct. but some of his antics over the last five, six years have been pretty peculiar. It all started with throwing some furniture over uh, a balcony window, a balcony deck on like the 20th floor of the building and almost hitting a mother and her kid. Uh, there's some allegations of, uh, of you know, of, uh, of sexual violence assault. against his girlfriend then, you know, we had the stuff with Pittsburgh and the Facebook stuff. And then, you know, that kind of disappeared. And then, you know, last year we really, I think we really saw some of the true colors of this guy uh, after his, his antics on the, uh, on the sidelines when, when he wasn't happy with his quarterback. Towards the end of the year, we really saw what happened. You know, he missed a practice and he got suspended for the biggest game of the year. They ended up winning, but he was suspended for it, for not showing up to practice. That game uh, they needed to win that game to make the playoffs, but they also needed the Browns to beat the Ravens, which didn't happen. Close. And they missed the playoffs. So, Yeah, I mean, whatever. We're not going to get into – I mean, whatever. That's his, there's his rap sheet, if you will. Oh. Um, we're not even going to get into the whole shit he pulled with Oakland and then signing with the Patriots. Like, whatever. Everybody knows what he did. And what led to those things? I want to ask you though: um, Is this? I don't even know how to phrase it. Not is it legit? Is it something that the league should review? In your opinion, what's the the uh, getting himself kicked out of Oakland? Yeah, I guess getting himself kicked out of Oakland, but also the uh, length of time or lack thereof in terms of uh, him signing with the Patriots right after. So um, I guess there's, to me, yeah. it feels like there's something else. Like, is it, I don't know what the rules are. Can a team talk to a player who's already under contract with another team and say, mm-hmm. like, you get kicked off? 
or released, uh, will sign you? Hurt. Like, is that something that can even be done? I, I don't even know if it's worth it. You know, like they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna. It's the, it's the opening week of the NFL season. I'm sure the league office is, is trying to focus on the game and not. Everything happened legit. I mean, they didn't promise Antonio. He didn't want to play with them anymore. So, if you're in New England, Seattle, and another team, uh, I think it might have been Houston. I, I, I don't think it's even worth it. You know, it goes on in every sport that we just don't know of. You, you telling me that Anthony Davis didn't get a million texts from LeBron James from a, from an outside number, quote unquote? I, yeah. I just—it's it, too hard to. It's—it would be too hard to um, prove anything. I think if I'm Antonio Brown this morning or today, I'm more worried about uh, raping somebody and being accused of that. And where there's smoke, there's fire. And you know, he, he claims to. First of all, there's some horrific texts. When I say horrific, I mean yeah, like yeah. I could barely understand what he's writing to this lady. But if I could paraphrase, or if I think I knew what he was trying to say, because it's so it's so poorly written, he's basically saying, "Look, you know, I uh, I masturbated on you." It's not a big deal. You let me and uh, leave me alone. Don't you? you know. And her accusation is like, I guess there's a third incident where he physically raped her. And um, it wasn't just uh, whatever the crap I read today. There was actual a, a physical altercation where he forced himself onto her. And, um, He's in big trouble, man. Where there's smoke, there's fire. You don't just make shit up like that, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, regardless of him, hopefully that's not the case in terms of whatever. I've heard horror stories of guys going to jail and then 20 years later, the girl admitting that nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But literally it takes one of those and then all of a sudden everybody stops believing the woman. And yeah. that's not right either. Um, and all his antics and, and, uh, body language and attitude, you know, last little while, you know, this just adds fuel to that fire that, you know, yeah, I would say he's capable of it because he's a lunatic right now. Yeah. He hasn't, he, he hasn't done himself any favors. And when you act like this, the way he's acted the last, I don't know, year, then when something like this comes up, you look, you are, you should be innocent until proven guilty, but when you're so stupid, you're guilty until you're proven innocent. Yeah. And it's like at the end of the day, that's that's the that's the deal. And you know what? I read an article today, and I, I, I want to end on this because I don't want to talk about him anymore. I don't give him any, I don't want to give him any more airtime. But you know, I read an article today that was posted on uh, CBS Sports. It was written a, a four days ago, but I just caught, I came across my path today, and it was a story about. Antonio Brown's maybe the first chink in the armor where it was like, uh oh, I think there's something wrong with this dude. And it was in 2012 when he got his first big extension with Pittsburgh, like his his sort of payday, if you will. And uh, it was during practice. Um, Brown got into a shouting match with Dick LeBeau, who was the defensive coordinator at the time, who was revered in Pittsburgh. You know, 75 years old, class act, Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame coach. I think he's only one of two or three guys to be to have both distinctions. Beloved figure in Pittsburgh. Um, Brown, according to a report, uh, ruffled feathers before practice 
um, saying that he shouldn't be touched in practice. And, you know, LeBeau being the defensive coordinator, he tried to calm Brown down and uh, he said, listen, everyone calm down. Brown was getting into it with Paul Amalu, whatnot. And then I guess he cussed out LeBeau, told him to mind his effing business or something to that effect. And then all hell broke loose. And Troy Palomalu, Ryan Clark said he's only seen Troy Palomalu get upset twice in his whole life. And this was one of them. And Palomalu told the coaches uh, before practice, said, the receivers are live. End of discussion. And that was it. And the receivers were live. Palomalu didn't get a chance to hit Brown, but I think the statement was made that we're, you know, this, we're not going to put up with this diva and for Paul Amalo to go that far. And, you know, I read another story about Heath Miller uh, taking a million dollar pay cut in yeah. 2015 so they can give Brown another. Uh, a, and he had to pull him aside and say, listen, you got to stop bitching and complaining about not getting targets during games. Like, you know, so those Heath Miller and Troy Paul arguably the two classiest players in the NFL, not just the Steelers, but the NFL at the time, for uh, sure. Yeah, that, that, so that says everything I need to know about the man, and uh, I'm just going to leave it there. And I hope I hope he's innocent. I hope that these things didn't happen to this poor woman. Uh, but I'm not I'm not optimistic. No, no, um, no. That's it. okay. So A B done. Um, a B done. What's your uh, real quick prediction and on A B with uh, the Patriots? I think he'll have a lot of success. I mean, geez, you know, he's, uh, they were comparing it to Moss. The only difference with, with Moss and him is eight or whatever he is and runs like a gazelle. And uh, he was, he still had a lot left in the tank. AB does too, but he's smaller. He's a smaller target. He slowed down considerably last year. I want slowed down considerably last year. I watched every Steelers game. He couldn't get off blocks like he was, arguably maybe because he was getting double teamed, but um, he's lost a step. And, uh, you know, it, he, he can't make the plays Moss does. I don't think he's – I think Moss in his prime was just a freak. Yeah, so he, how's he going to do, it, how's he gonna do in, uh, in New England? Well, they just traded away Demarius Thomas, so they opened up a slot for him. Hey, Josh Gordon looked pretty amazing. And Edelman, they had a nice little receiver thing going last game with uh, Philip Dorsett. Oh yeah, Edelman and uh, Josh Gordon. They don't even need Brown. No, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, he, AB. The only place he could go in this situation is the Patriots. And every and I had a conversation with Scott Endicott today, and we were talking about AB and the Patriots and the the fit. And I was like, the Patriots are the only organization right now in the present day where they don't need AB. Every other organization would, you know, like you kind of have, same with the way Moss and stuff before they came in, they're with organizations that need that person. They're the face of the organization, quote unquote. They're like the superstar. You need me. Now the player walks around like he's entitled. At the Patriots, they don't need you. That first game should be a clear indication that they do not need Antonio Brown. And if Antonio Brown doesn't want to buy in, then he's out. They don't need him. So he only has to buy in, and that's the Belichick effect and all that kind of stuff where they've built that, where any other place that entitled uh, mentality comes into play. So he, I think he buys in. Do I think they use him as much as he would like to be used? Probably not, but he's going to accept it. Well, that's, that's where we'll see. If he accepts <clears throat> it, then look out. But, you know, he, he blew a gasket uh, early in the year when Pittsburgh, I believe, was on the road against the Ravens and they beat them 
and uh, he blew a gasket. Yeah, and uh, that he didn't get targeted as much as he wanted to. That it, it's in him. Does he I get the, it. The handlers, quote unquote, to nope. to calm him down. We'll we'll, we'll see, and they'll, and they'll cut him as as fast as I can. You know, cut put a, a butter knife through melted butter. They'll cut him so quickly if he doesn't comply. And exactly. That, and we'll see. We'll see what kind of character he is. I, I, you know, I they're saying all the right things in New England, but the, they know in the back of their head, look, we're going to get rid of this guy. The, the first sign of madness. And let me tell you, if, if there's a lot more smoke to this story, um, he may not even play. It's true. I mean, they're still fighting the Hernandez image and stuff like that too. So, yeah, you know, to, if he's bringing any of that kind of crap with him, they're not even going to put up with it. But yeah. I think, you know, like, like I said, they'll, they'll cut him if they need to. Uh, he buys into that system. Uh, you know, I think he does well if he stays with them and he actually plays and all the off uh, field stuff gets taken care of. But I'm hoping like my like desire for it is that Antonio Brown goes into that Patriots locker room and just spreads his disease amongst it. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it like tears him apart from the inside and the Patriots are no longer this super team. Brady says, screw it. I'm retiring. Belichick says I'm out. And you know, all is right in the world, but it's wishful thinking. It is wishful thinking, Bowl but that's champion. what I'm, uh, yeah, they look ridiculously good this week. You know what, B? On that note, let's take a real quick break, and then we'll come back and finish off with the uh, NFL's week one. You betcha. All right. Week one of the NFL has come and gone. Yeah. Um, if we were to go and refer to our breakdowns of the divisions, now I know we missed one of them because we just didn't have time and I erased one of the other ones. Anyway, uh, the tech errors out of it. Uh, some of our predictions didn't quite stand up in the first week, anyway, to me. And uh, there were some uh, surprises, I'd say. What about you? Yeah. Well, you know, before, before we get into a couple of games that we each highlighted, week one really showed to me that the NFL really needs to figure out this preseason stuff because, you know, the Packers and Bears on the Thursday night, that was, that was awful. It's true. Like that in was terms awful. of watching that, football kind of thing? It, I mean, well, you, you know, you, I don't think Rodgers has really had any time. I know, I know they practice. I get it. I get they practice. They probably practice a lot more than they, than they play game time in preseason. I get it. But... It's not against live competition against guys who are trying to trying to take your head off. Like at virtually every single game, if the game was high scoring, there was there was full of penalty, terrible football, like drop passes. Oncrief, Pittsburgh's wide receiver, dropped three passes that hit him right in the breadbasket. You know, it just it's a lack of playing it's time what against, he's known against for, live. Pardon? It's kind of what he's known for. Like Moncrief hasn't been, doesn't have. He's got the, the drops, sure's. yeah. But you know, as an example, that's that's the kind of football I witnessed on the weekend, and I, I, did my couch, and all I did was watch the games. And uh, you know, one game that one game that I watched from start to finish was the Titans and Browns, and uh, <laughs> just like Delaney Walker said in the uh, in the uh, post game but they are who we thought they were. 
I thought the Browns were going to come out and, and put a thump into the Titans, but the Titans played smash mouth football, man. Their defense looked really good. Cameron Wake, two sacks, three tackles. I think he had a safety. He forced a safety on one of his sacks. Um, their, their secondary might be the best in the NFL. They were disguised, and they made Mayfield look completely lost. He threw some horrible balls. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Beckham, I thought, they all, all the receivers were, were kind of, they didn't freak out, which was impressive enough in its own. But, you know, if he does that another week, you know, they're playing the Jets next week. You know, are we going to see them implode already before week three? You know, like, though, these were some of the things we talked about, Brock, with the Browns. The, they have that potential to implode. They have some character guys, but who knows, right? So they took a, a, a ass whooping. But in, in all in fairness, put it to them. With the, yes, there's four preseason games, but how many times and how many snaps did the, the whole first team offense get together? The whole first team defense get together? You know, Not like many. there's four preseason games, and this week one is still kind of like a preseason. This is like Absolutely. an official preseason. So, th- again, the argument for having four and like lowering the, the amount of, of preseason games, I think, is you know, this is the kind of thing that really substantiates that. Say, okay, just cut it down to two, man, and let's just freaking get going. They're using games one and two as uh, as preseason almost. You know, like that's well, what you're shaking the rust off. The the actual preseason games nobody cares about, and they're not risking injuries in them. Yep, I'm with I'm with you, Brock. I'm with you 100. Uh, percent You know, I just we have seen some injuries though in, in the game one. You know, we saw Nick Foles out for the out for the year with a yeah. or a broken clavicle at least out for eight weeks. You know, we saw some injuries happen regardless. So, you know, if you if you put them in game game situations in the preseason, you have two. Vote one as a coach. You you play your starters for a full half instead of a uh, one quarter or whatever it is now. And you know the, the risk is lower because it's only a half of football instead of four games at whatever one quarter or whatever they do. It's it's ridiculous. Like, I, and no one watches. I don't watch preseason. I don't care. You know, no. make your try, make your cuts in practice, like like the rest of us who did when we were playing. You know, I don't know. <laughs> something's got to give. But anyway, you you nailed it. The football sucks first week in that first week or two because everyone's in shaking the rust off. And you know, I'll tell you one team though that's that's going to suck all year are the Bo- <laughs> Miami Dolphins. <laughs> well, the Miami Dolphins are they're having like a an old high school walkout kind of thing. <laughs> They're like, screw it. I'm going down to the friggin' diner instead of yeah. going to work. Like, these guys want out. It's three not good. anonymous guys said, get me the hell out of here after they traded Lar- um, Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil and uh, all, their, all their veterans, Kiko Alonso, uh, you know, and they're going with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback. You know, you can sell a rebuild, I guess, but. Man, fifty nine to ten. They made they literally made Lamar Jackson look like Warren Moon, and I didn't expect to see that kind of offensive outburst. But then again, Miami is going to be really bad, and you and I called it in the preseason. Um, boy, I'd hate to be a Miami Dolphins ticket season holder. That's gonna be a long year, friend. Oh yeah, uh, I got a buddy who is, and he's made a few comments on Facebook that this oh, is just God. how do you even justify it anymore? But, Buffalo Bills, the Bills. Pull one out on the Jets. Man, they came. They were down 16-6, I believe. And uh, pull, you pulled one out is right. Yeah, which is, you know, game. it's a good, it's a good uh, AFC East fight. Like, on the road? On the road, 
hostile uh, environment, but they uh, again they they played well. I think the Jets are still. I mean, everybody's just trying to find their own, you know. So yeah. that was at least a good game. You know, the the Bears surprised me as bad as that game was. I really noticed the Packers, their two rush, uh, pass rushes that they spent a ton of money on were very effective. But Trubinsky, I thought, would be making uh, a step in the right direction this year. And I thought, okay, you know, he sort of finished the season, I thought, on a bit of a high note, and he was going to ride that. He did not look great by any means. Every quarterback needs his outlet guy, right? Everyone's everyone's like the, even even Mariota's got his outlet guy is Delaney Walker. When all hell breaks loose, that's the first guy he looks to. You know, I I, uh, I didn't see anybody for the Bears to to, to do that. Terry Cohen dropped a couple passes when uh, you know Trubinsky tr- rolled out a couple times and he looked for a bailout. I think Trey Burton was you know? hurt. Eh, he was sitting out this game. Is that right? I think so. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was supposed to. So if that's the case, I think Burton was a lot more of that kind of guy for him too. Yeah. Uh, which could have affected it. But regardless, I thought the Bears were going to come out blazing, um, you know, at home. I thought I thought Allen Robinson looked really good in terms of receivers. Uh, so if he stays healthy, I think that'll be a, a nice target for Trubinsky. But uh, you know, we know a lot of Bears fans. I know they were pretty disappointed, especially when you're losing to a, um, a division rival like the the Packers. Um, yeah. And then especially such a low-scoring game that you're just... Thursday anyway. night, you know, kickoffs at 8.30 or whatever. These guys are wired for that. Yeah, no, it... Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, that wasn't I, good. I'm looking at some of these games that I will... You know, here but you know vikings made a statement against the falcons who uh, might be the most disappointing team in the nfl and no one can figure them out all the talent in the world and they score 12 points uh vikings defense is going to be good and again you and i predicted that um we talked about the bills and jets we talked about the ravens eagles red touch and go for a bit for them yeah but the redskins came out and uh for a team that i thought had no business being in any of these games uh wasn't horrible Vernon Davis. Yeah, that was uh, an emotional one where he, I mean, that touchdown he scored was uh, Superman-ish by getting in the end zone that way and then obviously breaking down because he had lost his grandfather the day before, who was also his primary caregiver as a kid. So, yeah, yeah, that was very, uh, very touching. I also noticed, on another note, I noticed he was wearing that... uh, uh, the thing that Luke Keekley wears around his neck for like concussions mm-hmm. and stuff. Did you notice that? Sure. I did notice that actually. Yeah, I can't like what a, it's called, it looked like the old style neck braces they used to wear in the eighties there. Yeah, a little bit, but uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's a player. Uh, we could talk football all day, man. He, he's a player that uh, really, I don't want to say resurrected his career, but there was a couple of years where he looked like he had slowed down a bit, but he was a stud in San Francisco. And I really think that he's reinvented himself and he might play, uh, he might have a, as long a career as Antonio Gates if he keeps playing at this level. Um, it's an interesting position. You know, usually you either have a sh- either a short career or a super long career at tight end, but he's done a great job in reinventing himself as a uh, as a primary. Was that when he first came with, this, with the Niners and they kind of moved him around? And Anyway, um, Rams-Panthers I thought was a really good game. That was a tough loss for the Panthers, but the Rams looked Looked like they just picked up where they left off last year. They have so many weapons, man. But yeah. Carolina was right there. Uh, yeah. So I'd be curious. Like 
they they play again through uh, later in the season, so that'll be a game yep. that I would have circled to watch as in terms of a fan standpoint. Um, well, I mean, Carolina's McCaffrey got a, is McCaffrey. They play the Buccaneers tomorrow night. I mean, that's a chance to redeem themselves and not have to let this uh, think about that game too long. You know, let just get right back to business. Speaking of disappointments, I really thought that Bruce Arians was going to have a better uh handle on Jameis Winston and really an off-season work with him they would start to open things up and Jameis Winston looked bad is, is that a case of no reps Brock is that what what is that that he looked terrible three interceptions couple of pick sixes uh I mean from a quarterback standpoint reps or no reps if you're in practice if you're going full with a secondary and receivers it's timing it's like reading those guys Maybe, the, I don't know. I didn't watch enough of it to say, like, was it just under pressure he was getting uh, interceptions? So maybe he was, you know, there's no pressure in practice. I don't know. But Aarons mm-hmm. has done it before with, obviously, better quarterbacks. So we'll see what happens in the next little while, see if he, he can fix it. But I was expecting more from him in week one, um, and that wasn't there. So... I yeah. forget. Somebody I know was making a comment that he either fixes it soon or he's going to be playing baseball with Tim Tebow soon. <laughs> Chargers and Colts. This Colts. was a game. Uh, hey, listen, Colts put up a fight. Did they not? Hell yeah, they put up a fight. Yeah. That was a tight game. But this could be a situation. Have four or five of these games where they're like, oh, they're in it. Oh, uh, my God. The Col- they're, they're not as bad, at it, but they're going to lose five of them. They're going to be one in five, and then they're going to have that you talk about body language and just being discouraged. I think they're going to go one in four, one in five, something like that, and just not have any energy to, to, to get get out of the hole. They, they're going to dig themselves, or the talent, really. But, you know, man, they put up a fight. Uh, yeah. Brissett brought them back. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? Did you catch any of that game? Uh, you know, the only clip I caught, other than tracking T.Y. Hilton's scores, because he's on my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> so Brissett obviously likes to go to Hilton, which is great. Continue to do so. Uh, but the only clip I saw was, um, uh, what's his name? The rush end for the Chargers. Is it Gordon? Melvin Gordon? Is he not the running back? Oh. But that's what I was thinking, Melvin Gordon. But it's, uh, yeah. anyway, whoever the 54, the he's a real fast guy for the Chargers on opposite side of Bosa. Anyway, was... Uh, rushing the left tackle and he got to the outside and then he spun back inside and all he found was Quentin Nelson coming down like a train and destroyed him. (laughs) And it was like, it was beautiful. Like Quentin Nelson, I'm an old lineman. Even I don't get excited for old lineman play. I just don't, you know what I mean? Like I still, I'd rather be scoring touchdowns and whatever. Quentin Nelson gets me excited to play offensive line. gets me excited to watch offensive linemen. Like they He's should be excited awesome. in, in Indianapolis for him. I'll tell you that. Oh, 100%. But, you know, just run behind that guy. He's a he's a train. But that was the only play I saw. But the score itself, I mean, I expect the Chargers to do very well this year. And the fact yeah. that the Colts kind of stayed with them uh, is a good, is you know, whatever. If the Colts go, if they go 0-16, but they're losing games by three, four points, I think the, the fans are still going to be semi-happy you know what i mean well yeah it's gonna it's gonna when you when they lose by that margin or that small amount of margin that small amount of points they it'll be easier to identify what they need yeah they're just they're like one or two pieces away they're an andrew luck away from yeah you know being 13 and 3 or 12 and 4 whatever you know 
Melvin Ingram. Ingram, thank you. It wasn't right. Melvin. Melvin. Right. Yeah. Melvin Ingram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we, also, we saw – here's a game that I, I'm not sure if it was Seattle underachieving or Bengals overachieving. It was really hard to tell because there were some – a couple of – like I know there was one pass Andy Dalton made to John Ross that was just like – should have been picked off by the – Yeah. What was manned by Earl Thomas was is now somebody else. But there were a couple of questionable throws that got caught anyways, and the Bengals looked a little better than they actually are. But, you know, 21 to 20 was the final. That was a, It was a good entertaining game. The Seahawks didn't look that impressive. Bengals looked impressive in spurts and then looked like who we think they're going to be. So I'll just move on from that game, if, unless yeah. you have anything to add. It wasn't that exciting. Um, no, I watched the Lions-Cards game. I want to get to that. I, I just want to mention the the one game that oh, I uh, jumped it. Sorry, bud. No, 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 no. I jumped it. I, 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 My I bad. just want to get it. I want to get it out of the way. The Giants and Cowboys game. I don't know why they start every year with these two. Like the Giants are like you and I and Scott and Dan can go out and probably predict what the Giants are going to run. Their offense is so boring and so yep. predictable. Like it's hard, they're they're hard to watch, and Eli Manning has no mobility at all, like none. He doesn't he doesn't roll out, and if he does, he's running for his life. The Giants just are boring, and I don't know if it's Pat Shermer, I I don't know if it's the system that they you know they've got all the bad habits they've they've picked up the last three four years having these losing records, but you know to have the Cowboys and Giants in prime time, I just thought was like. And Cowboys have a lot of weapons, man. I'm gonna, it was a 35-17 final, but the Cowboys are loaded. Lo- I, I didn't realize they had Tavon Austin and Randall Cobb and, uh, you know, they Witten and Jarwin apparently is like the next stud tight end in the league. And, you know, then Elliott and the, their offensive line is all intact again with Frederick and Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. I, I mean, they, are, they literally are a Super Bowl contender, pal. Yeah. Yeah, and they played like it, and having wow. Ezekiel back, and um, you know, I mean, Jerry Jones obviously knew that as well because if he didn't think the team was going to be contending for a Super Bowl, I don't think he would have succumbed to Ezekiel's demands. No doubt. So he knows that they're that close, and with Zeke, they're uh, they're an elite team. The Lions and Cardinals, Brock, did you watch that game? I did. A, l- a good was, chunk of it anyway. So many stories uh, uh, in that game alone. I mean, the Lions just literally flushed out. I said, I've said literally about 50 times, and i gotta, I got to stop literally, saying yeah. that. Yeah. But the Lions flushed that game down the toilet. Some horrible clock management. A timeout, an ill-advised timeout uh, by Matt Patricia. Uh Stafford went back to the sideline and lost his marbles. Um, Cardinals, you know, Larry Fitzgerald turning back the clock and making some huge catches down the stretch. And Kyler Murray, man, showed me uh, it's week one. I'm not going to jump to conclusions, but there's a lot to be excited about in in Arizona. They still have a lack of talent overall, but there's a ton to be excited about the fact that they came back and tied the game when they looked, they looked, down, dead, and out for three quarters. Um, so pretty exciting. The Lions, though, Jesus. <laughs> even then, they I don't blew, even think it's. It. I don't think it's that bad of an outcome for the Lions. Like I was, I don't know. They at times looked better than I thought they would look. And I think if they clean up a little bit, 
I think, I mean, their defense looked pretty decent for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. TJ Hawkinson is who I thought he was. Yeah. You know, and they're relying on him. The guy's got, you know, he's just so smooth. Uh, I did hear that apparently if he would turn it up field, he had like a 60-yard touchdown. I forget what happened. Or I was having it described to me that he sort of missed on a play where he could have got a lot more and, and probably – uh, may have impacted the outcome of the game but i think he still had 131 yards of receptions or something like that and i mean murray threw for 308 stafford 358 i mean stafford could still sling the ball i i found the cj anderson's a great addition for the lions uh anyway it's, oh, there was some, it's there was not stuff all to bad be, uh, yeah. yeah i mean yeah there was some stuff to be excited about but you're up 10 with less than two minutes you can't lose those games like you not in the nfl they but. they're i think there was i think the situation was it was a third third down and no it was a, it was second down and it's rather than run the ball and and force arizona to take another timeout they threw it and it was incomplete and it stopped the clock and stafford just lost his mind and uh, look it was it was painful to watch as a lions fan you got to be frustrated they, they got a tie out of it i mean that's you know some consolation i suppose but Chiefs look good. Um, they're going to be yeah. without Tyree Kill for the next four to six weeks, uh, but they put the thump into the Jags, who are in uh, who are in some trouble. Who Jags made a trade with the Steelers uh, earlier this week? They picked up Josh Dobbs, An old uh, Tennessee quarterback. quarterback. So Mr. He's, No he's Eyebrows, be, right? That's the guy. He looks that's like Shazier, actually. Yeah, that's true. Um, he uh, he's slated to be their backup, um, but you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an opportunity. He's, he looks he looked good in Pittsburgh and in spurts. He came on for Ben a couple times last year. Um, he was pretty mobile in in uh, university, so I don't know if that's something that uh, he can mobile transition. guy. Yeah. They've been building their offense around Foles, who's not mobile. So it's you know they're going to have to switch the philosophy pretty quick on the fly. You think? Uh, it all depends on. I mean, he's not a Lamar Jackson type mobile. Or like a Tim yeah. Tebow where, you know, you're compensating for something else. Dobbs has a pretty good arm still, so uh, big guy. Anyway. Hey, big win for the Niners, even though Garoppolo didn't look that good. You Their know, defense the Bucks. looked we talked, very the good. mentioned Bucks. The, the, the 49ers defense looked really good. Yeah. Uh, biggest kudos for me goes out to the Oakland Raiders uh, for, you know, dealing and putting all that A-B stuff behind them and getting out there and actually beating a, t- a Denver team that I think is going to do very well this year still. Um, but Oakland gave it to them, and I thought that yeah. uh, overall they played really well. Tyrell Smith, Tyrell Smith, Tyrell Williams, Williams. is a legit number one in this league. Uh, I, Pittsburgh did all they could to sign him, and he, you know, he decided to go to, to Oakland. But uh, he is a legit number one. He had six catches for 80 yards. Uh, not spectacular, but... Big catches and uh, actually, I think uh, uh, Josh Jacobs looked good. I think the Steelers have actually reached out to to Williams, and he's actually recording Gruden as we speak and getting his video together, <laughs> and then uh, so he'll be released in the next couple of days. Fantastic! And then New England will sign him. Um, wild stuff uh, with the Raiders after the win, and you know Gruden shaking everyone's hand. It's the last Monday night game in Oakland, um, so. Uh, Good for them. Again, I don't think either team really showed their true colors. I think it was just a, a lot of hype and a lot of adrenaline on Oakland side. Derek Carr looked really good. Uh, whether he can maintain that or not will yet to be seen. Uh, the Saints-Texans, did you watch any of that, Brock? Oh, I watched a lot of that one, actually. Um, man, 
a little bit of a slow start for uh, for Breeze and them. You know, throwing a pick down in the end zone or in the red zone anyway is very uncharacteristic. Um, <clears throat> but he came back, and uh, you know, obviously it was a great ending. Some things changed, some things didn't. I thought, you know, his his relationship with Michael Thomas and and the timing there is is just as good as it always was. Uh, yeah. I think Camaro is running very hard. I'd like to see a bit more dump offs. And uh, the other thing I pulled from it is that Taysom Hill is still a douchebag. And <laughs> when you're running the the friggin' option out of a wildcat, I guess formation, if you will, the yeah. guy never hands the ball off to Camara, and Camara is always ten yards downfield before anybody even looks at him. Oh yeah, and oh, I yeah. have Camara. Give him the damn ball. The spotlight. Oh my god, he does, and he fights for like two yards. And you're like, yeah, all right, I got it. And you're. Camara's down in the end zone going like, dude, nobody even touched me because yeah. they know you're not going to hand the ball off. <laughs> anyway, he's not a douchebag. He's very athletic. He's very – it was funny. Um, you ever watch uh, – do you follow Spice Adams at all, the old Bear uh, defensive yeah, tackle? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and he had one It was uh, – you know, he dresses like that character where he's in like the, the orange basketball jersey tucked into the orange shorts with the glasses yeah. on. And he's uh, it's Taysom Hill's like photo or like whatever, and he comes up and he's like Taysom Hill, Blake quarterback, running back, fullback, O line. He's like receiver, <laughs> DB, kick return, and he goes through like all the positions and just walks away. So ridiculous <clears throat> it is. I, I like the fact that a, that a team is still willing to, you know, have a vital role roster spot for a guy like like basically who's a Swiss Army knife. And uh, it's pretty impressive what, what they do with him. And, uh, you know, that's Sean Payton at his, at his best, really. So that was a great game. The Texans have a lot of weapons. I, uh, the Texans you know, are going to be the, really good. Willie Sneed and Stills, who they picked up from Miami. And, uh, of course, DeAndre Hopkins is all-world. Uh, all-world. Fuller's healthy Carlos again. Fit in well. Yeah, Fuller's yep. healthy again. Uh, you know, their defense, losing Jadavian Clowney, I think is going to be... Uh, it's going to be a tough mountain for them to climb because J.J. Watt did not get any pressure on no. Breeze whatsoever. No. So if you take Clowney off the other side and you can put some more attention on the J.J., it's over. Like, you're not getting a pass rush in there. I think he had, yeah. like, he was zeros yeah. across the yeah, statue. Yeah, he, uh, but, but that, you know, again, that's a part of it is system, too. It's a tough game to, to start, you know, breeze the balls out of his hands so fast. It's true, that, uh, it's true. You know, he, and he's, he's, it's all quick timing routes with uh, with uh, New Orleans. But you're right, man. I don't know if they could withstand it. Losing Clowney, they lost Brian Cushing a couple of years ago to injury and retirement. Uh, they can't withstand another another loss uh, of one of their star players. And on top of that, like you said, I think Watt may be slowing down a bit. You know, he and Gronkowski have been beaten silly, torn biceps, torn shoulders, torn pectorals, yeah. you know, but blown knees. Like, at some point, it catches up to you, and that and that millisecond of edge that you that you have on somebody is no longer there. And what's left? A bull rush. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with the, with their defense. But to give up thirty points is untexan like. They've had a good defense the last few years. Yeah, so. but again, it's anyway, the Saints. 30 against the Saints is probably a, a win for a lot of people's books. Sure. But I say sure. the Texans make a move sometime this year to, to uh, up their defense somewhere. Um, and maybe they got a good a plethora of offensive weapons. Uh, maybe they parlay one of those guys into uh, uh, a good 
complimentary end for J.J. Watt and kind of get that defense back to it. Because the defense is very good, but if you don't have any pressure, I don't care what your secondary is like. You just don't have it. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, those are, those we, are all uh, the games we went, we actually went over every single game. Uh, yeah, in, which is more than I was of, uh, oh, well, anticipating. We missed one, but we don't need to talk about it. Uh, yeah, it's really yeah. not worth mentioning. Um, yeah. You want to go into uh, week two? You want to just do our predictions well, for week two? Quickly, yeah, I'll, I'll name off. Now, now that Brock and I have seen the teams and seen what what's, there is to offer, I, I still think I still think week two will be a better indicator than week one. 100%. Um, just like you said, you know, the rust and all that. So I think they were going to see teams be who they are. Uh, Panthers host the Bucks tomorrow Tomorrow at 820. I think Panthers win that. Yeah, by at least 10. I think the yeah, over-under um, was minus seven, yeah. Steelers. How about the Ravens hosting the Cardinals? Oh, I got Steelers hosting the Seahawks first. I got Steelers minus three and a half. I I don't know, man. I, again, that, I didn't see enough from against Cincinnati to think that Seattle is can come in to a hostile crowd and and do something. But I, mean, I, I don't know. Russell Wilson looked good. I I don't know. I and Steelers look so bad that it's hard it's really hard to predict that i i'd call that even i don't know if i would even play any odds on that if i was an odds maker or betting man well then you would one. take a steelers minus three and a half so you'd take the seahawks so i think the steelers win but i think seahawks cover the three and a half yeah that's that's a fair statement uh um, dallas at the redskins dallas minus five i i missed that one do you oh, say sorry. dallas at redskins at, yeah yeah, you know, again, do we see a great Dallas team? Yeah, or or, or just a, them playing against a poor Giants team? I, I don't know. That's a t- on the road in Washington after they put up a really good fight in Philly. Geez, that's a hard one, man. I don't know. I'm Who going, do you got? I'm going uh, Cowboys to cover. It's minus five. I think the Cowboys cover minus five. Okay, okay. I'm going to go by your schedule. You go, you name name them off here. All right. Sorry, I think I was interrupting at the time, but I have my list, so I was just going with it. No problem. Uh, Minnesota at Green Bay. Packers are minus two and a half. I think Minnesota comes into there and upsets the pack. The pack were not impressive on offense. Agreed. Minnesota's defense is legit, and they're out to prove something that they were a top three defense the last couple of years, and they haven't fallen off. They have most of their guys returning. In fact, they've improved. So, and Emerson Griffin is a little bit, little bit healthier mentally this year. I think the, I think they come in and upset the pack. Agreed. A pack minus two and a half. Minnesota covers and wins, actually. Uh, Arizona Cardinals at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are minus 14 and a half. T. Suggs coming back home. I think that's a closer game than most people will give them credit for because I think they're going to be able to. They've been practicing. First team defense in Arizona has been practicing against Kyler Murray all, all summer. You know, yeah. Uh, similar style. I bet you that. I think Arizona covers the spread. I think the Baltimore wins, but I don't know, man. Same. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. Ravens win. Cardinals cover 14 and a half. Yeah. I mean, they can yeah. lose by 10 and still cover. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the New England Patriots visit the Miami Dolphins with a spread of minus 19 in favor of the Patriots. Has a team ever scored 100 points in a game? <laughs> And there's a first time for everything. It's a first time for at on Sunday, September fifteenth at one o'clock, folks. You might see an NFL pro team put a hundred points on another team. I would not be surprised. 
But the Patriots always have problems when they go to Miami, right? Watch some last sort year. of like crazy up. Yeah, last year. I mean, the Miami has since traded every single person from that field away from last year. So we'll see what the new roster yeah. looks like. But the, the guy who caught it and the guy who threw it are no longer there. Oh, yeah. And probably 90% of the guys blocking for him. Anyway, <laughs> so Patriots cover 19. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a blowout. I think they cover 19 before half. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The Bills are at the New York Giants. Bills are only minus one. I like the Bills in this. Yeah, same. To cover. Yeah. Well, it's minus yeah. one. So if you like the Bills, then they're covering. Love G- their coach. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. Texans minus 10. Jaguars at Texans? Yep. I think the Texans, I think Jags cover the spread. I think Texans win. And the Jags cover the spread? Yeah, I don't think that's a that's a pretty big gap. Jags are good. Jags are good. They're gonna they're gonna readjust with a new quarterback, but they're not. I mean, they put up twenty six on uh, on Kansas City. You know, we're in that game for most of it with a backup QB. Hmm. I'm gonna take the Texans covering the ten. Interesting. Uh, Colts at the Tennessee Titans. Titans minus three. This is gonna be a lot closer game than than I thought, considering how the Colts played on the road against the Chargers. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go, I have to go with the Titans on this one. I'll go with the Titans, but uh, yeah. minus three, I bet you it's like a push. I don't like yeah. the minus threes, like three and a half or whatever, and then give me that. But a minus three, I think Titans win by like a field, so it's a push. Yeah, yeah. Uh, San Francisco Niners at Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, this is a but what's straight, the spread? There's no spread on this one. It's just a straight game, I guess. I think the Bengals win. I think the Bengals will, will they'll prevail at home. They look good enough. They showed me enough on the road in a hostile environment in Seattle. They showed me enough on the road that they still have enough guys carrying over from last year's team and the year before where they've they made playoff runs. Uh, they've showed me enough to, to – I think they're going to beat the Niners on the road or at home, sorry. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, – just because the Niners are on the road, I'm going to take the Bengals at home. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be super tight. It might be a yeah. field goal or so. Um, the Chargers are at the Detroit Lions. Chargers by two and a half. I I think the Chargers cover the spread, and I think they win by. I think it's going to be like a seventeen point win. I think that I really think really? I it's early. I really think that Lions loss kind of they sh- they showed some his- issues on the sidelines that you know that was not a good scene at the end of that game. A quarterback throwing his helmet and Matt Patricia clearly made a couple of bad calls, and you know they they basically let they basically let a win fall right out of their hands. And uh, I think that carries over onto this week. You know what? I'm going to go on the opposite. I think that that shows that those guys actually give a shit and they're in this season for real. And so those are things they can fix. But that fire and that desire to win is actually a good thing as opposed to being a, a bad thing in the locker room. And I think that the Chargers probably win this. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take the Lions. I'm going to take the Lions over the Chargers. I was going to say the Chargers win by like three, but I'm going to take the Lions. Lions, okay. All I'm going right. To take the Lions in that one. Um, well, at least the Lions to cover was two and a half. So even yeah. if the Lions win by uh, anything. Okay. Uh, yeah, the let's wrap her up here. Kansas City we got Chiefs. Left? The Chiefs at the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Chiefs are minus 10 and a half. Oh, I think, that's, I think that ends up being a close game. I'll go with the Chiefs, but I think the Raiders cover the spread. I'll take the Chiefs with the spread. Uh, now here's the game that I'm going to be watching. The Saints 
at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams by two Ooh. and a half. Wow. That, that's a tie for me. I don't know. Both teams, I, I'm going to go with the Rams only because they won. Um, I think it's Saints tie, cover the spread. Cover I don't know. Oh, yeah. tough one. Yeah. I could go with Rams. I think the Rams win that on, at home. Uh, yeah, it's a, this is a tough one. I think it's literally a toss-up. I'm probably going for the Saints just because I have Kamara in my thing, so I've yeah. been cheering for them. But uh, I just, I'm going to be watching that game pretty closely. Uh, Chicago right. Bears at Denver Broncos is a straight pick em. Sorry, Maddie. I gotta go. I gotta go. Broncos at home. I I really thought the Bears would win their home opener and then come back and have a tough game into thin air in Denver. Uh, I just think that Denver's going to be at home and their defense is going to be amped up because they look pedestrian against uh, against the Oakland Raiders. So I think the Broncos win this game. Um, I think I agree with you just because of the altitude and I think getting you know they're still kind of getting into shape and then when you throw that altitude, I think that's a big thing for them. And the Broncos looked all right. This yeah. website has the Bears 30, Broncos 14, and I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah. anyway, um, okay, Eagles at the Falcons. I have that's no faith again. in the Falcons. What's the spread? It's a push. Eagles, Eagles by 10. I, I have no faith in Atlanta at all. They're loaded, and they, and they keep shit in the bed. So I've, I've mentioned this before. Their coach is, is one of three, three or four coaches on the hot seat. If they come out here and, and lay an egg at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night against the Philadelphia at home, um, I don't see him making it past week three. I think the, they're too much talent to be lo- scoring 12 points. You know, I, Eagles. Um, I think the, the Falcons might bounce back. I'm going to take the Falcons in that one. Hmm. Um, they just, at some point, something's going to click. I didn't think the Eagles were that great either. It's either going to be... You know, a field goal separating them or, uh, yeah, whatever. What I say was a push. Mm. Yeah, whatever. It's going to be a three-point game somewhere. And the last one is the Browns at the Jets. Browns two and a half. I got to – you know what? I'm going to go with the Jets. I know they. I know that they, they're coming off a home loss, but I think it's prime time, you know, 8 o'clock on a Monday night. Um, I think, you know, they're going to get a – Le'Veon Bell's going to get a heavy dose. Uh, they looked okay. I mean, he ran for – I think he had – uh, 60 yards on on X amount of it, 12 attempts or something like that. He looked good. Uh, I just think they're they're figuring out ways how to use him. Adam Gase needs to use him a little bit more in the in the, uh, in the uh, as a receiver. They just traded for Demarius Thomas. He's got a hamstring injury, so I doubt he'll play. But you know, they're rec- they need more from their receivers. Man, their receivers are really really their their weak spot. was didn't look good. Crowd- Jamison Crowder, I thought played really well, but uh, Robbie Anderson, a couple of deep balls. He yeah. Uh, he didn't read well. Uh, Dar- Darnold looked like a second-year quarterback, still trying to find his way. Um, so I- I'm still going to go with the Jets. I'm going to go with the Jets only because they're <laughs> at home. I know I just I just beat the you hell out of them. Just tore them down. Going, like you're still I'm going with the Jets. I, I think the Browns have some issues on the offensive line, and uh, the Jets can get to the quarterback. So, all right. Well, there you have it. Those are our picks for Week Two. Um, Pep, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time. I know you got a softball game tonight, so uh, we are going to wrap this up. We're going to go out to, uh, I don't know if you've seen, I think it's Netflix or Crave. One of the two has a documentary with uh, Notorious B.I.G., so I'm going to be watching that later this evening. But we're going to go to a nice. song that uh, we recently found out that is actually about the late uh, Anthony Mason. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah. Big Bruiser from the Knicks. It's called the I Got a Story to Tell. It's one of my favorite songs off of that that album. But we're going to go out to him. And uh, until next time, have a great week, guys. Think you should have sweet. Niggas creep up on your ass. <laughs> Live niggas respect it. Check it. I kick flows for ya. Kick down doors for ya. Even left all my motherfucking hoes for ya. Niggas think Frankie pussy whip. Nigga picture that with the Kodak. It's the Mattack. We don't get down like that. Lay my game down quite flat. Sweetness, when you park that. Petiteness, but that ass fat. She got a body, make a nigga wanna eat that. I'm fucking with you. The bitch official though. Hit harder than the missile, yo. Try to hit it if she trippin', disappearin' like a finio. Yo, the bitch push a double O with the five in front. Probably a cannabis stunt. Y'all drive in front. I'ma peel with her. Find a deal with her. She fuck around and steal, huh? Then we all get laced. Television's Versace heaven. When I'm up in them, the shit she kick. All the shit's legit. She get dick from a player off the New York Knicks. Nigga trick with dick, get lust. The shit was plush. Stressing me to fuck Like she was in the rush We fucked in his bed Quite dangerous I'm in his ass While he playing against the Utah Jazz My 112 CD blast I was passed She came twice I came last Roll the grass She giggled Saying I'm smoking on homegrown Then I heard a moan Honey I'm home Yup No chrome for situations like this I'm up in this broad I know he don't like this Now I'm like Bitch you better talk to him Before the fifth Put a spark to him Fuck around Shit get dark to him Put a part through him, lose a major part to him, arm, leg, she begging me to stop, but the cat getting closer, getting hot like a